for it seems a bunch of badasses if you know what I mean They're coming out of the sky, out of the sea And on land gonna take it to the enemy Folks, Mark Devine here with the Unbeatable Mind podcast. Welcome back. I'm super stoked to actually be in our studio, if you want to call it that, here in Encinitas at Tilted Headquarters with our guest, Steve Weatherford. We had an incredibly fun morning, and uh, there is a video evidence of what we did. You so, had an incredible time. <laughs> so yeah, check back on our website in a week or so, and you'll, you'll be able to grab that video at sealfit.com. Um, before I get started and give Steve a, a little bit more formal introduction, I want to remind you that mine and my stepdaughter's book, uh, Kokoro Yoga, is due to be released on April 12th, uh, so you can pre-order it now at our website for the book, which is warrioryoga.com, warrioryoga.com, and you get a free chap uh, first chapter there you can download. Also, you can get enroll for um, our 30-day challenge that we're launching which is also for free. So check that out, Kokoro Yoga. I'm super stoked and proud of this book. Enough said. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible program. And I've been teaching to the SEAL candidates and everyone here at SEAL Fit since 2007 with great effect. Hoo-yah. Hoo-yah. So, <laughs> Steve, thanks so much for coming by. Oh, so Steve, you. Steve Weatherford, um, NFL uh, punter, Played for the Jets and the Giants, Super Bowl champion. Giants, uh, yep. Man, first suit time I've seen a Super Bowl ring today. And this yeah. thing was, <laughs> weighed like a, 10 pounds, I think. That's pretty cool. Uh, Steve is incredibly fit. I mean, he's one of the first kind of, I guess, celebrity folks we brought through a seal fit operator wad, and he held his own for all two and a half hours of training. Uh, we'll talk about that experience. That was awesome. Yeah. And Steve's uh, shifting into kind of a new focus as a speaker, as a motivational um, expert, as an author, right? Mm -hmm. A media personality, all, all sorts of stuff. So he's transitioning, you know, out of football into kind of a new career. So anyways, um, Steve lives in New Jersey, but is planning on moving out here to Anthony. Yeah, build, cool. building a home here um, in Olivenhain. And this has been my off-season, my NFL off-season training site uh, for my the entirety of my NFL career, and it's just it's a great place to live, great place to raise a family, yeah. and uh, just you know it's a melting pot of people. And I've always been a huge military supporter, and this is this is a military town. It's yeah. a military region, you know, between Pendleton and Coronado. Sure. Um, there's it, there's a very big military influence here, and uh, and I like that. Yeah, you know, I like that a lot. So. Um, it's a good, good place to, uh, good place to train too. It's about 72 degrees every day. <laughs> and oddly enough, it rains about five times a year and it rained on us pretty good today. It rained on us real good today. It was That's actually pretty classic. good though because Mark couldn't tell whether or not I was profusely sweating <laughs> or, uh, that I was drenched by the precipitation. So I had that working for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a great place to raise kids too. And yeah. you have a family. Four, I do. I have, I have four, four children. My, uh, my oldest. Uh, I have one son, three daughters. My oldest is eight years old, Ace. And then I've got Carney, which is six, Aurora, which is three, and baby JJ is 10 months. So, and a um, pig. And I've got a pig and a dog. So I actually just bought a, a miniature pig about three weeks ago. So that's the, the that's new hilarious. exciting thing in my household. 
That is, I saw the pictures. Yeah. Cute little thing. Yeah. Oh so I God. had the pig for about a week and then I left for two weeks to come out here. So, uh, I, against my wife's wishes, I bought a pig and then left for two weeks. Whatever possessed you to buy a pig? I mean, where the heck did that come from? I've always like, you just taken, wake up one day and say, I need a pig. No, I've always thought it would be cool to have a pig. Um, <laughs> and during my NFL career, I never felt like I had enough time to be able to help with the pig. Uh, but now that I'm kind of making the transition into civilian life, as you guys would call it, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy a freaking thing. Buy a damn, I mean, most guys want to buy like a Harley Davidson or something, you know? I know I'd kill myself on that. My, <laughs> my risk appetite is I, off the charts. I'm actually getting an Indian pretty soon. I'm just yeah. declaring that I wanted an Indian for, I had a Harley when I was back at SEAL Team 3, but I haven't had a bike. And my wife really doesn't want me to have one, but, um, I'm going to get myself an Indian. Person. You work hard. You deserve it. Get yourself I two. deserve an Indian. Okay, two. Okay, get it in both you. colors. That's what I say. <laughs> awesome. So, Steve, um, let's talk about, like, your early years. Like, how did you – you were an athlete. Sounds mm -hmm. like um, you were a pretty effective athlete in high school yeah. and college. Um, you know, I have, since a very, very young age, Mark, I was um, very, very apparent that I had extreme ADHD. Hmm. I had a little bit of OCD. And so my childhood uh, was difficult because I was, I wasn't mischievous. I just couldn't sit still. Um, and so I was just a very, my, my mother likes to say in the nicest way she can, you're just very busy. Um, and not always busy doing the right things. Um, never in any type of major trouble, but, uh, you know, just going to school and, and the educational system for me was very difficult because, uh, intelligence wise, I was in the gifted and talented courses. Uh, you know, I think my, I'm not sure exactly what it was by the number that jumps out to me. My IQ was like 130, 138 is the number that jumps out to me, but a higher than normal IQ. So I was gifted and talented, but it was too difficult for me to sit down and concentrate on the materials, mm -hmm. especially when I had a teacher that didn't uh, let me get up and move around more than the other kids because sure. I was just, I'm wired differently. And so during, during the course of my younger years, it was really difficult for me and my mother didn't, and my father didn't want to put me on prescription medications because they didn't want to affect my appetite and my, my growth potential and, and put the chemicals in my body. And so, you know, at probably about age five, you know, before I even went to kindergarten, my, my mother put me on like an all organic diet before people really knew really? anything about all organic. Um, and not it's, vegetarian. No, not vegetarian. Not I ate meat. Um, so all organic essentially was I would I didn't do preservatives and dyes. Right. And so, you know, for example, when a kid would have a birthday party in my class, my mother would send these, you know, like a Tupperware full of cookies that tasted like cardboard. Um, so <laughs> I could have were. yeah yeah. So I could have cookies while the other kids were having treats too. Interesting. And so it was a lot of extra work for my parents. Um, not just from my diet standpoint, but I just required more attention. Did the diet have an effect brothers. on you? Yes, for sure. So, um, when I would eat, you know, the, the preservatives and the dyes, like if I would have like a day when my parents weren't around, I was at my friend's house on yeah. the sleepover, I would eat those foods and I would just go bananas. I would bounce stuff. off the yeah. walls and I'm already, you know, you've spent half a day with me. I'm a highly energetic person. So uh, the education and school for me was just very difficult. But as soon as I got out of that and my parents got me into sports at a very young age to try to wear me out right. and uh, and funnel my abundance of energy 
into something positive like athletics. And very thankful that they did that because I literally have played just about every sport underneath the sun and, you know, have been able to kind of segue that into uh, the passions for, for fitness and, and motivating people and inspiring mm-hmm. people to overcome whatever it is their adversity is. I remember my mom when I was six or seven years old, not only was I on this diet, but she also would wake up at like five o'clock in the morning and, you know, it's obviously dark outside and, and I would run three miles uh, at like age seven before, before school. And she would ride a bike behind me with a no flashlight <laughs> and I would run three miles before, before school. Cause she would try to get some of my energy out. So yeah. it would be, make it easier for me to sit still in class. And, you know, oh, I always crazy. got A's and B's, but then they would also give you a grade for behavior and conduct. And that was always a D or an F. <laughs> uh, but I, I just couldn't control it. You know, it was something that was not just difficult for me. I couldn't do it. But, you know, like I said, they funneled that into athletics and so what, what were some of the early sports that you did? Like in uh, middle basketball. school, high school? I never played football. I never touched the football until I was 15, um, my freshman year of high school. And then once, I'll say, so let's just say this. Okay, 14 years old, played four sports in high school. My, my freshman year, I was a soccer player, played basketball, and I ran track. And those were kind of like the three mm-hmm. power sports for me. And I was good at them, but I was five foot seven. I was 108 pounds as a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. So I was above average athleticism, but way below average as far as um, physical stature and, and strength and power, mm-hmm. um, you know, by comparison to, to my teammates. And then the soccer or the football coach mm-hmm. came to the soccer coach and said, hey, do you have anybody here that has a strong leg and might mm-hmm. want to be our kicker? Because we don't have a kicker. Mm-hmm. And so my soccer coach says, yeah, hey, that skinny kid, that little skinny kid over there, he's got a, you know, he's got a big leg. And so he comes up to me. He's like, hey, would you be willing to try to kick field goals for the team? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? And uh, it was something that came natural to me because of my background in soccer. And uh, actually, my my freshman year, I think my second game ever, I hit a 49-yard field goal to win the game. Nice. So it was something that came natural to me. But in order for me to become one of the best in the world at it, it took a lot of time and effort and sacrifice. But I made a commitment to myself at 14 years old that I wanted to try to earn a college scholarship. Mm-hmm. And I knew in order for me to do that, Mark, I was going to have to change things about myself, the way that I lived my life. And, and I've always, even from, you know, from my teenage years, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, I was always really, really big on goal setting. Mm-hmm. Where did that and, come from? Is that self uh, from, from my, or my grandfather? You know, he was always big because he's the only person that I've ever met who's, almost identical to me. I think it makes sense because, you know, know, he's my grandfather. So he was always really big on goal setting and him and I always had a very special relationship because he saw kind of how jacked up I was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, him at even, you know, 60, he died at at 69, but even into his 60s, he still had a lot of the things, uh, even at that old age, that I struggled with when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. So he saw a lot of himself in me. So he spent a lot of time with me because he 
commiserate. You know, sure. he kind of he had some yeah. compassion for the things that I struggled with, and so he imparted a lot of his knowledge and life skills um, that helped him kind of overcome the extreme ADHD. Right. And, and back in the day when he was a kid, people didn't know. Sure. That he had ADHD, right. they just thought he was crazy. Yeah. Um, what a gift that was! I mean, yeah, a grandfather like that. Yo, too. oh my gosh, it, you know, I couldn't couldn't be more blessed. And so he invested a lot of his time and effort and passion into kind of helping me deal with what I was dealing with. And so when I was 14 years old, I made the commitment and and I had the vision of one day playing college athletics. And I knew I was going to have to become bigger, faster, and stronger. And so at that point, you couldn't just Google seal fit workouts mm -hmm. or you couldn't just Google, you know, basketball, vertical jumping workouts. You had to go to the library. Right. And so it took an investment of time and having extreme ADHD. It was difficult for me to sit down in a library and read a book, but it was that important to me that I would go and I would find these books and I would read for 20 minutes and then I would have to get up and walk around the locker, the, the library and sit down and read again. But I empowered myself with the knowledge and the tools to be able to, I had the vision and I set the goal, uh, but now I had to formulate a plan yeah. to be able to change my physique and, right. and my size and my strength. Do you remember and any of the books or the mentors that I that was? Were there uh, for one you? of them was Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia of yeah. Bodybuilding. Right. You know that was one that I went to for a lot because I didn't know anything about different training modalities mm -hmm. or lifting weights, and I mm -hmm. knew. I could run all day and I was always a very good natural jumper, mm -hmm. but I was weak. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to compete in an elite level, but I lacked the elite size and strength. And so read these books about nutrition, recovery, training modalities, and I developed this plan for myself. And one of the benefits of having ADHD and OCD is the overabundance of energy mm -hmm. and focus once you set a goal. So if mm -hmm. I don't have a goal for, and even now at 33 years old, like if, I don't have, ball, but yeah, if I don't have a, sure goal have a goal or a to-do list for right. my day, right. I won't get anything done because I'll just be all over the place. Mm -hmm. But once I set a goal for myself, uh, I'm more focused and more driven than anyone Steve, that I, I know. Steve, I think that's true of anyone actually. Yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> it is, but I don't know. You know what I mean? But I just know that during a normal 24 hours, out of everyone that I know, I know that I achieve more and I get more done in a 24 hour period than anyone that I know, but I've been able to identify my weaknesses mm -hmm. of the ADHD. Um, and I've been able to use that overabundance of sure. energy and ability to hyper focus on something. Yeah, right. And then I've used the OCD to do things exactly as I have them planned in my to-do list. Yes. And cool. so long story short, during the four years of, of high school, before school, after school, late at night, I went from 108 pounds um, in September. And then four and a half years later, when I actually graduated and walked across the stage to get my diploma, I was 225 pounds. Mm. Um, and it was a lot of early mornings, late mm -hmm. nights, sacrifice. But I was, I got scholarships in four different sports mm. uh, okay. to play, to play at the next level. And I knew once I started to get the attention from the colleges, I, I kind of recalibrated mm -hmm. and set a new goal of playing professionally. Mm -hmm. And so once had I had you chosen football at that time or well, I well then I'm kind of like reviewing these different sports that I play. And I'm like, you know what, which one do I think I have the ability to play professionally one day? And, and football was, was the clear choice.
you know, I had a bunch of field goals over 50 yards and 55 yard uh, game winning field goal for homecoming. And you just don't hear of those distances being kicked in high school. And I had six field goals over 50. So people had started to talk about, wow, he's kicking the distance that NFL guys do. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to run track and I'm going to play football. So I chose the University of Illinois and, uh, and just continued to achieve goals and never become complacent and continue to set higher goals and higher goals. You know, when I got to college, I wanted to be, um, all conference in the Big Ten. I did that. Then I wanted to be an All American. Then I did that. Um, I wanted to break the school record in the decathlon. I did that. I wanted to be an All American at track. I did that. And then I, you know, had an opportunity uh, to to start my NFL career undrafted for the New Orleans Saints, and um, op- it was kind of one of those situations where preparation met opportunity. I was yeah. competing against a guy that was in his 11th season. He was a Pro Bowler. He's one of the best punters in the NFL. He sustained an injury the first day of training camp, and so I got all the reps in training camp, all the reps in preseason. And I finished the preseason ranked number one in punters. And that's how my... What does it mean to get all the reps? What does that mean? So he was injured. So typically if I'm competing with somebody, he'll he'll take a rep. I'll take a rep. Like a repetition. Like he'll have a kick in practice. Excuse me. I'll have a kick in practice. Right. And I I was prepared. I was ready. I did all the work I needed to do to be successful when the time came. Right. Right. Interesting. So... What years was that? What when you went to work? My rookie year was two thousand and six. Okay. Um, and it was six months after Hurricane Katrina. So I went down to New Orleans and it was literally it was a ghost town. Okay, yeah, uh the supermarkets, the only stores that were open were supermarkets, Burger King and Taco Bell. And the supermarkets, Burger King, Taco Bell were only open from noon until four PM and they actually had to bus the workers in from Baton Rouge mm-hmm. to New Orleans for those four hours. And it Did you was, guys play in the Superdome or where, where we was played it? in the Superdome. They, uh, during the year that Katrina actually happened was 2005 in September and they were displaced from New Orleans, right. obviously. And they played their games in San Antonio, Baton, San Antonio and Baton Rouge were their home games. Okay. And then obviously their away games. They, right. they just went to the different NFL cities, but. Um, that was How did difficult. the team do that year? I mean, was it not, not psychologically good. the yeah, impact was, was probably it was rough. super super difficult for them because you know a lot of people don't think about the fact that these NFL players have families mm. as well. That's what I was thinking. Their um, families are and back so home you're suffering. Engrossed in the their community. homes are underwater. Yeah, and, and you have a routine when right. you're a professional athlete. You have a routine of preparation and recovery, Absolutely. and you know. Even something as simple as, you know, an acupuncturist or a massage therapist, you know, they're probably displaced to Atlanta or Houston. And so you don't have the typical people who have helped you get ready for uh, a game on Sunday because everything is just, it's crazy. So um, I was, I I didn't complain because I was just so thrilled to be in the National Football League and live my Mm -hmm. dream of being a Mm -hmm. professional athlete. Uh, But looking back on it, it was a very difficult time, but it was fun to How be able to be a part of. Did you choose to walk on to? Did you were you walk on or? Did, were yeah, you, essentially that's what it is. So why, why you can you walk on in college, or you can be a scholarship athlete, yeah. and then in the NFL you can be a free agent signing, or you can be drafted. There's seven rounds in the yeah. NFL draft, mm-hmm. and so each team gets one pick in right. each in each right. round. And typically punters don't get drafted because we're 
uh, I don't want to say of a low importance level, but essentially, mm-hmm. you know, what do you want to spend a draft pick on? A running back or a backup quarterback or a starting quarterback or a punter? So, so are punters typically recruited or are you just... Uh, for college, um, a mean, lot I of the times the they NFL, are yeah. for the major for the major Division One teams. Nine times out of ten, they will find the best kickers or punters in the nation and give them a scholarship. But And sometimes they'll invite you to walk on and you can earn a scholarship. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what happened to me in the NFL is I signed an NFL contract but nothing was guaranteed. The only guarantee that I had was my signing bonus, mm-hmm. and that was five thousand dollars. And mm. to me, that was like a million because I had never had a paycheck in my life that had a comma in it. Mm-hmm. And then I got a uh, you know after taxes <laughs> and you pay your agent. I think I ended up walking away with like two thousand bucks. Right. But that was two thousand more dollars than I had ever been paid in my life. And just it wasn't really about the money. It was achieving that lifelong dream of mm-hmm. being a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. Nobody in my family has ever done that before. And uh, it was a very proud day for me. I bet. So you played for New Orleans for how many years? I played there for three years. Then I played <laughs> in Jacksonville for one year. Then I went to the Jets for two years. And then I just finished my fifth year uh, with the Giants last year. Um, and now I'm kind of at that transitional period where – I'm still, I don't want to say young, uh, but I'm still very capable of competing at an elite level and I could continue to play in the NFL. But, you know, my passion has never been football. I always chose football because I knew football would give me the ability to live my childhood dream of being a professional athlete. I never, you know, when I was 14, 15, 16 years old, I never really thought that that was something that was even possible. I didn't think mm-hmm. it was a feasible thing. I just wanted to achieve mm-hmm. and earn a college scholarship. But as you know, it was just kind of like the daily grind for you all. Um, when you're in Bud's training, it's just, it's one day at a time, mm-hmm. you know, it's one rep at a time. It's one operation at a time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I remember training here this morning and, and before we went through the operation wad, I was, you were kind of explaining the entire workload and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, and I just reminded myself, you know what, just do one thing at a time. And then before you know it, um, it's over. (laughs) You know what I mean? Thank goodness. Um, But it was super, super challenging training this morning. And, um, one thing that really impressed me most about, uh, the training wasn't because I was expecting the hardcore gritty seal training because Mm -hmm. it's seal fit. And I, Mm -hmm. I know your reputation and I've seen videos. Uh, but one thing that impressed me the most about this morning and kind of what you built here, um, even more than the culture and the encouragement that everybody I trained with was kind of the mental aspect and not, not the mental aspect of what I was thinking. You know, I know, I knew the mental aspect was going to be hardcore, tough, just get through it. Mm-hmm. But the, you know, the kind of the component that you, the dynamic that you bring to this in gratitude mm-hmm. and thankfulness and, and moving forward with positive energy is something that uh, I really, really enjoy that. I like hard work, um, but I, I like to enjoy hard work. Yeah. And you kind of put me in the state of gratitude with the, the was it box breathing? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. box breathing. Just before we even started our workout, you know, we took six minutes. It was just a breathing technique. Mm-hmm. And it really just kind of centered your mind around um, the work that we were about to do and viewing it more as an opportunity than an obligation because 
If you come into a workout like that with a negative attitude, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this, you're not going to get yeah. through it. Think about an NFL team box breathing before a game. Yeah. Wouldn't that be powerful? Oh, you know, for sure. the, the, the just the, it's kind of like an etch a sketch. Everyone mm-hmm. basically clears the clears the ground, leaves the baggage behind. Yeah, and you tap because everybody's just, got that. You everybody's tap got into that, baggage, that, that you know? deeper essence, and then you go hit it hard, and part of that stays with you, mm-hmm. right? And you carry it into. The I was not universe. expecting that from yeah, you. Yeah, that's cool. He's a lot more. Mark is a lot deeper individual than what I was anticipating. And I mean that in the most complimentary way. <laughs> I didn't even think you have, that. you know, the toughness and, and the grittiness and the hardcore seal. Um, you know, I don't want to say mentality, but that's kind of your shell. Like that's mm-hmm. what people know you for. But when I got to spend time with you, you're a very deep cerebral thinker. And I was uh, very, very impressed by that's that. That's cool. Hey, you know yoga is for warriors. Maybe you've heard that my new book, Kokoro Yoga, is out. I'm totally stoked about this book. It's been over a year in the making. So go to warrioryoga.com to buy the book. Because if you do, I'll give you a couple free things, such as the first chapter of the book, as well as a video for recovery. So prepare your body, mind, and spirit on your quest to self-mastery by checking out Kokoro Yoga. Go to warriorgo.com. Hoo-yah. Back to NFL, what was the high point of your career? Like, like something that you're most proud of or like the best day of those 10 years? What was um, that like for you? And well, happened? a lot of people don't know this unless you have followed my career, but I, my, my rookie year, I go to the NFC Championship game. And for people that aren't football fans, that's the game. If you win that game, you go to the Super Bowl. And I did that my first year. Mm. Um, in my four years that I played in college, I never had a winning season. Never mm. went to a bowl game. And in high school, my team wasn't very good either. Um, so I'd never been on a, a winning football team mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And so I come into the NFL, and I go to the NFC Championship game my very first year. And that opportunity was like, wow, this is winning's fun. Showed you what's possible, you know? right? Yeah, winning, um, winning but I almost fun. kind of took it for granted because I didn't realize how special it was to get that deep into the playoffs. And we lost that game against the Chicago Bears, and they went on to the Super Bowl and lost to Peyton Manning uh, and the Indianapolis Colts. And then there was a dry spell of about five years that I didn't even go to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my first year with the Jets and Rex Ryan, Mark Sanchez as our quarterback, we go to the AFC championship game and we lose that. And that was a heartbreaker for me because I realized how special it was to get that deep again because it had been so long. And then the next season, we do the same thing. Go to the AFC championship game again. Then we play the Steelers. We lose. And Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers go on to win the Super Bowl. And then the very next season, uh, I joined the Giants and we go to the NFC championship game. And we're playing in Candlestick Park against the 49ers. And we go to overtime. And I had 12 punts during the game. And typically in an NFL game, I probably average about four or five. But in that particular game, it was a field position battle. Mm-hmm. Both offenses were struggling. Our quarterback was spent more time on his back getting sacked than he did standing up throwing the ball. <laughs> and so they relied on me a lot that game. And, uh, and I had one of the, the best games of, of my career. We punted 12 times and I was a, I was a very pivotal player in the success of winning that game. And then we go to the Super Bowl in Indianapolis, 47 miles from where I grew up and went to high school. And 
I had the greatest game of my life. I set a Super Bowl record oh, cool. uh, for most punts inside the 10-yard line. I had four punts. I had zero return yards. And, uh, you know, Al Michaels uh, and Chris Collinsworth were the announcers for the game. And Al Michaels even said at halftime, he said, if we're voting for Super Bowl MVPs right now, my vote goes to the punter, Steve Weatherford. I don't know if that's ever been said before. So um, <laughs> cool it just that, makes yeah. it makes um, having a Super Bowl ring and showing that to people. It just I just I get a, a little bit of a swell of pride mm -hmm. because I really you felt like my team would not have won that without me. And I'm not saying that to be arrogant. I just I'm very, very proud of it because there was so much. Um, hard work that that went into the preparation of having the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl in front of like 72 million people. You know, everybody in the civilized world is watching that game. Mm -hmm. And to be on that stage and to be that impactful and, and to play that well just makes that Super Bowl ring super special uh, for what, me. What so year was that? That was in 2011, 2012 season. Okay. February fifth, two thousand twelve. To I be think exact. I was on the grinder doing an op watch. Yeah, Sorry, I missed it. I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were probably, you know, <laughs> knee deep in Anger blood and guts Anger protecting our country, and I'm punting a football. You know what I mean? So uh, it's all it's all relative. But uh, you know, it's having the opportunity to kind of spend you know the last six hours with you and, and hear the stories and you know kind of soak up some of your motivation and intelligence and and outlook. And optimism has been uh, really, it, it's been a life changer, something I was really looking forward to, but I've gotten much more from a, a depth of personality from you today. You're a lot deeper person uh, than I thought. Yeah. You're, you're much more intelligent. I knew you're a good entrepreneur and I knew you're a tough Navy SEAL, uh, <laughs> but you know, the Kokora yoga that we did this morning, I've never done anything like that before. And I do hot yoga you know, once a week. Yeah. Um, but that Kokoro yoga, I feel like it game. translates a whole lot more uh, to fitness and athletics than, than mm -hmm. the hot yoga that I've yeah. done as part of my routine. Yeah, we have another punter uh, coming through our two-day yoga yeah, training. Tim what? Mastic. Tim Mastic, yeah. Tim From, Mastic, uh, Green Bay Packers, Green Bay also Packers. a Super Bowl champion. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really he caught the guy. bug and he's yeah. uh, going to be here this weekend. That's good, that's good. So what about um, a low point? Like what was the... The worst moment of your the NFL worst career. the worst moment of my NFL career would be the AFC Championship game in 2010. Um, it was a huge huge motivator for me. So it was the biggest game of my career up until that point. The third time that I've been to the conference championship game, and I just played really bad. Um, I don't know if it was nerves or the weather because it was eight degrees and it was windy and it just made the conditions very very difficult for me to execute my skill uh, and I just I performed really really poorly and impacted my team negatively in the biggest game of the year and and I think that's probably the reason that the Jets didn't ask me to come back to the team hmm. um, and so I uh, I went to the Giants and I thought what better place after that game I ne had never trained as hard or consistently or more intensely than I did that off season. And I just took six months and I was so focused on improving my weaknesses mm -hmm. and also continuing to develop my strengths because I didn't ever want to have that feeling again of, mm -hmm. of disappointment in myself, but also letting down, you know, the other 
52 guys that were on my team and my coach because I was, I was just embarrassed. And, and after the game going into the locker room, I didn't want to look anybody in the eye because I felt like I let everybody down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they definitely noticed that I didn't play well and I'm probably harder on myself than anybody else is. But that's a really lonely feeling Mm -hmm. when you work hard up into the biggest game of your life and you pretty much crap the bed. Mm -hmm. Um, so I took that six months and had never been more focused. And I've always been focused, but had never worked as hard as an intense with the the frequency that I did. And then the next season in 2011 uh, was the greatest season of my life. I broke almost every franchise record for the New York Giants, went to the Super Bowl and and just had the game of my life. And and then after that season, uh, the New York Giants wanted to have me back so bad uh, that they made me uh, the the highest paid punter in the National Football League. So, you know, I went from 12 months prior, you know, the lowest point of my athletic career to fast forward 12 months and a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice mm-hmm. and a lot of focus to feeling like I was on top of the world. And the only thing that changed was my mindset. I've always been a hard worker, but I just, I, mm-hmm. I ratcheted it up and, yeah. and took it to a new level. And, and it's a very fulfilling feeling to make the investment in yourself but then to reap the the benefits only 12 months later i think that's such an important lesson for people who are um, like really super successful is that new heights are often preceded by new lows or new depths and that's and that you use that as motivation to catapult yourself towards i i I easily could have taken the situation where it was the biggest game of my career and just accepted the fact that, you know, in the big game, right. and, I melt. And how many, know? how many people take that uh, failure personally and then they obsess about it mm-hmm. and they carry that regret and return. And just, uh, carrying regrets beat, is like, yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, beating yourself up every day. It's like beating yourself up the head with a kettlebell. Let that, that stuff a, go and use it as motivation. It was a tough off season yeah. for me because you play that game knowing that if you would have played well, your team probably would have gone into the Super Bowl. And who knows, you might have won the Super Bowl. So you might have cost your teammates, your coach, your fans, your city, an opportunity to get a Super Bowl. And that weighed really heavy on me for six months because I don't get another opportunity to really redeem myself fully until I get to a game of that yeah. magnitude again. Right. And I didn't know and if I'd ever that, make it to a game of that magnitude right. again. I knew I, I knew that I was going to get to play football again, but I didn't know that I'd ever get to the opportunity of another conference game when my team needed me and I'd be able to answer the bell. I didn't know. I was scared to death when I went to the NFC Championship game the next year. I felt confident that I was ready, but here I am again. Yeah. You know, am I really ready? I know again, I, right? I prepared as well as I can, but am I really ready? Am I, am I going to melt? You know, and get nervous. Did you have a, any um, mental strategies to overcome the that kind of fear? Yeah, like a mantra. I, you know, or I, a, the place that I've always drawn my confidence from. Um, there's not any like breathing techniques. I mean, I used breathing techniques, but the going into a game, the place that I drew my confidence and my kind of my swagger from was all of the work that I did leading yeah. up to that. Right. So knowing, like I, I knew you that, had a mental representation of yes. what all that work. So was. when I hit yeah. that field, I knew 
100% that I did every, I took every single opportunity over the past 11 and 11 months, three weeks and six days, mm -hmm. every opportunity I could to prepare myself mentally, physically, emotionally to be my best. So mm -hmm. I knew the next time I got into the championship game that I was either going to be successful and if I failed, I knew that I gave it my best chance. Mm -hmm. I, gave, I put together my best package that I could in order to be successful in that situation. And if I failed, I would have handled that failure better because I knew that I did everything mm -hmm. I could and maybe I just wasn't good enough and mm -hmm. I could accept that. Mm -hmm. But I never wanted to feel the way that I did uh, the year before. I'm not going to use the word regret because I know you don't carry regrets forward, but anything that you would do different during your NFL career? During my NFL career... You know what, man? I've been, I've worked hard. Um, and that's one thing that I, I never want to regret. I wish I would have prepared more or worked harder. Um, so from that standpoint, no, but knowing what I know now, I probably would have worked smarter mm -hmm. and not necessarily harder or maybe a combination of the both. At lunch, you were telling me about your ankle injury and that might yeah, be one example of that, that's, right? That's, Where you that's definitely, a and, and, but I'm still proud of that. that I don't your, regret that. So I'll, I'll share Steve, the story. Steve told me about his million dollar mistake. So let's hear about <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> literally. One million dollar mistake. 2012, uh, the first game of the season, we're playing Monday night football against the Detroit Lions. And uh, uh, by the way, quick pause. One of our Seal Pit coaches was a former Detroit Lions uh, ah, player, a guy named okay. Derek Price. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, they thumped us that night. So it's my second punt of the game. And I had a phenomenal preseason. And it was just really, you know, I had my, my sights set on goals that I'd never achieved before. I wanted to be a pro bowler. You know, I wanted to, to break the records that I hadn't broken for the New York Giants. And my second punt of that season, um, I, I, I get a helmet to my ankle of my plant foot and tear four ligaments in my ankle. Two of them were completely torn off the bone. Mm. And, you know, I, I, as soon as I hit the ground and I hear the pops and the cracks, I knew something was, it was more than just a twisted ankle. Mm -hmm. And I remember my dad telling me, you know, if you can get up, you know, get off. Meaning, you know, if you can stand up, get off the field. Don't ever let anybody mm -hmm. cart you off the field mm -hmm. unless you're dead. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Uh, it's kind of the mantra you guys have, man. Yeah. If you, you know, if you got breath in your lungs, yeah, you, you can keep fight. Fighting, right? So um, I hobbled off the field and they put about three pounds of tape around my ankle. I finished the game. Then we get the MRIs. Long story short. You, you didn't play anymore, did you? Yeah, I played the rest of the game. You played the game? Yeah, we don't have, in the NFL, um, different than college, you don't have a backup punter. There's one punter on the roster, there's one kicker on the did roster. Did you have any kicks after that? Yeah, I had, I had three. Um, and uh, one of them was actually really, really good, and then the two of them were just okay. But they were much better than what my kicker could have done. Right. So if a kicker gets hurt, the punter will fill in, and if a punter gets hurt the kicker will fill in but What's i the knew difference between a kicker and punter uh, a kicker kicks field goals uh-huh scores points and kicks off and a punter punts the team to the okay, other so you don't you returner. weren't you weren't doing field goals no i was not doing field goals the kicker did that but i right. knew even injured with with the the damage i had to my ankle i knew i was going to do better than him and i didn't want to let my teammates down right so i finished the game i had the mris long story short four torn ligaments two complete off the bone and uh, due to my background at running track in college and jumping, the musculature around my ankle was <coughs> surprisingly uh, strong enough to make my ankle stable enough for me to, to kick again. So 
It was a mistake. Looking back on it, I probably shouldn't have done it. Um, not just because it cost me money, but it just wasn't a smart decision. So you decision. played another 15 games. Yeah, so I could have gone on injured reserve and I still would have gotten paid my full salary and had time to heal. But, you know, it's kind of like that, that tough man mentality. Right. I wanted, I want, if I could, if I could stand up, if I could punt, I was going to punt. Was that pride or wanting to be there for your teammates or? I think it was mostly pride. Yeah. You know, I'm embarrassed to say, but I think it was mostly pride and just trying, trying to prove something to other people and prove something to myself. I didn't, mm -hmm. you know, I hate it when people are like, Oh, you're just a punter or you're mm -hmm. just a kicker because people think we're just soft. And for the most part, we are, <laughs> <clears throat> but I always took pride in, in building my physique and, and my strength. I didn't want to be viewed as just another punter. So I finished off the season. And uh, on average, during my career, I probably ended up fifth or sixth in the NFL as far as out of the 32 punters. And that season, I ended up 18th out of 32 because of my ankle. And they didn't care about my ankle. They kind of look at, okay, you're getting paid the fourth most out of punters in the NFL, and you finished 18th. Uh, we need you to take a $1 million, a $950,000 pay cut, or we're going to cut you. And I knew if they cut me, if I tried to go to another team, I wouldn't be able to make that much money i wouldn't be able to make more money because i was ranked 18th in the league and i'm coming off of an injury so i took the cut and it cost me a million dollars because i tried to be a tough guy but looking back um, i proved a lot of things to myself as far as toughness is concerned but i also learned uh, to not be so prideful right that's fascinating so you were you think this is your last season last year you haven't declared your intent to retire no i haven't announced my retirement because um, Are you wanna, leaving your options open still, or I, I want to keep I want to keep that option open, and I'll probably make a 100% decision in probably two months before training camp starts. I want to I want to be decided. I want to announce my retirement, or I want to play again. So right now, um, I'm just having so much fun doing things like this, yeah. learning from different people from different walks of life. My true life fulfillment comes from motivating and inspiring people to, to live happier, healthier, more fulfilling lives. And, uh, you know, I've played in the Super Bowl, you know, 72 million people watching me and I actually get more fulfillment. I get more of a natural high from walking into a high school auditorium and speaking to 15 and 16 year old kids and sharing my story of, you know, essentially what I just shared with you and how don't let anybody put a potential, a ceiling on what they think you can do. You know, you, we're so much more capable than what we give our self credit for, but we, we get caught up in having these big dreams and aspirations. And there's so much development that has to happen in between where you're at now mm -hmm. and where the ceiling is or where your vision and goal is. It's very daunting. It's mm -hmm. kind of like me looking at the operator's wad today, mm -hmm. which is this is training that I've never done before. It's intimidating, mm -hmm. but I've been able to overcome obstacles and, and de develop. I've come a long way. Mm -hmm. So I knew, you know what? I'm just going to take this one movement, one repetition at a time. But it's, it's so important in life to surround yourself with positive, encouraging, optimistic people. And that's the culture that you have here at the Seal, mm -hmm. Seal Fit HQ. And, you know, Tommy and Joe and John and yourself her, and Danielle were the reason that I was able, you know, put through to push through some of the physical agony. But it was really it was more mental, you know, with them just encouraging me to be like, you know, we're halfway there. 
uh, you know, we're, we're a third of the way there. I'm like, quit telling me how far we are. Just tell me, you know, you can do two more. Right. But yeah, there was definitely a mental block when we were uh, doing the strength portion of this workout that I physically didn't think I could do the next set of six dips. And I just jumped in and I said, you know, I'm just going to give it everything I got. And I was able to get through it. And, uh, you know, I felt really good about uh, what I was able to do here. I wasn't nearly as good as uh, what I want to be, but, uh, you know, at least I have a baseline for where I started so I can come back next time. I have some things to work on and some homework to do, but uh, I'll be back. I got a challenge for you, and that is uh, to um, commit to doing our Kokoro Camp. Yeah. Which is a 50 hour nonstop. I can't wait to read that book. Yeah. Well, this is Kokoro Yoga. Kokoro Camp is is the crucible. So you look at Kokoro Yoga as the daily internal development, right? Mm -hmm. Developing the internal domain so you can win in your mind before you step foot in the battlefield. Kokoro Camp is the battle. Mm -hmm. That's 50 hours of nonstop training. I need some yoga first before I do the battle. Because I did two hours of the training with you. You need just a little bit more endurance training, rocking under load, some mm -hmm. running. Uh, Kokoro Camp you should be fine with. It's all about the team. Mm -hmm. stepping outside of yourself and then finding, you know, that new 20 When you say step outside of yourself, you're essentially saying get outside your comfort, comfort way zone. Way outside your comfort zone, but way outside your ego as well. Mm -hmm. Like there is, you know, in Kokoro Camp, you might need to be carried literally as the strongest guy stepping into that event. You might be carried physically or emotionally mm -hmm. by... You I know, was definitely by, carried... By someone like Joe, who's 59 years old. Because yeah. you don't know where you're going to break and someone else is going to be strong. And that's kind of the essence of that team. It's like you're there together. You're there to go through and this, everybody's this got trial by fire. strengths and weaknesses. You right. Know? And so that it's a profound experience because you get through that and you have to you have to go through all layers, right? Physical, you start out as a physical thing and then it's mental thing. And then after a while, because of the sleep deprivation, it's not so mental anymore. It's, it's emotional. Mm -hmm. And then it's like you're really having to tap into that willpower. Would you... That's cool. Would you... You got to do compare it. that to to like an Ironman as far as the the physical demand and the. Mental I'll, I'll demand. tell you what Derek Derek Price was our Detroit line guy. Now he is a lot like you guys have some similarities. After he he ended his career because of a broken neck after three seasons, so you know wow. he kind of had a short short change there. But so he went into like endurance sports. He's doing Ironmans and like swimming to Alcatraz, always trying to find the next toughest thing to do to kind of prove that he was still in the game. So he came to Concoral Camp thinking it was like that. And what he said at the end, first of all, it was nothing like an Ironman. It was, a, it was equivalent to at least three back-to-back -back Ironmans wow. in one event. But he said that what the really profound thing was this whole, especially for an NFL guy, it was this notion, a new concept of what teamwork really was. It's kind of like what you experienced this morning. SEAL team, to be a teammate, you've got to be literally willing to lay down your life. Now, mm. we're not asking you for that, but you have to metaphorically be able to lay down your life right, for yeah. somebody. Right? And Give so everything a lot have. of professional athletes don't get that experience mm -hmm. because of the money and the agents and, you know, yeah. it's, oh, for sure. it's not there. It's not, it's definitely it's not, not a selfless sport. Right. Um, I enjoyed playing in the NFL because of the platform that I was placed on. But There's a lot of positive things. Don't get oh, me wrong. I'm sure, not dinging sure. it at all. No, but I'll, I'll tell you this. The, my most fond memories of athletics in my entire life were high school basketball. Yeah, and the relationships cool that I made. We didn't win any championships or anything like I did in football, but there wasn't all the all the crap. You know, there wasn't the endorsements, there wasn't the the NFL contracts, or money wasn't on the line. It was literally about me 
trying to give everything I had to the guy next to me and him to me to to put together the best product we could as a team and using my strengths to overcome you know to make up for somebody else's weaknesses and vice versa it was those those were definitely the most fond memories i had as an athlete was high school basketball in indiana oh that's cool yeah well we've been kind of going a little bit for a while here so let's let's wrap this thing up um do you have any place that What's your favorite place to send people to learn about you? Do you have a, you got a reality um, show and you know Spike? What? You got a yeah, you know a what? I, or... I'm involved in a lot of things, but I think one thing that I have really done a good job of, and really that's the way that I've branded myself and shared a lot of my journey is on social media. You know, whether it's Instagram or it's Twitter or it's my Facebook fan page or okay. it's Snapchat, I really take a lot of my time. I probably. In a normal 24-hour period, I probably invest at least three hours into social media right? throughout the day, answering questions, either posting what I'm doing that day. Like I filmed the entire workout uh, with you, and I'll go home tonight, and um, you know, with my my business partner Michael Martucci, we'll spend time editing that, putting that on YouTube. So I've got a YouTube channel. I'm hyperactive on Snapchat. I probably put up at least 15 or 16 Snapchat videos from uh, our time here today, you know, whether it was knowledge from you or the training or how Mm. bad it killed me. Um, So, yeah, I would definitely say if anybody has any questions or wants to know more about me or just, you know, wants to interact and and follow along in the journey, I love making new friends. That's why, um, you know, I'm here today. I have no benefit uh, to be here today than to learn from you and, and have the experience of, of this, you know, what seal fit has to offer. And it, I couldn't be more thankful that I took time um, out of my day to come here and get outside of my comfort zone and grow as a person. So yeah. I would say social media, if anybody uh, wants to plug in, it's, it's at Weatherford five on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. And Steve Weatherford uh, is my fan page on Instagram. And, and that is also my YouTube channel. All right. We'll make sure that we um, like you and connect yeah, you with you on our it. Facebook as well. And uh, thanks so much yeah, for your time. It's been a real, work, man. A real True pleasure. Honor, we had, man. A, we I had really, a blast I today. really mean that. Yeah, we'll have to do it again. And I'm serious about Kokoro Camp. I got a lot of Sunday. homework to do got some work uh, and some yoga to, to add into my routine. But uh, I shall be back. Hoo-yah. It'll be Steve Weatherford 2.0. Hoo-ya. <laughs> All right. Also, uh, before I sign off, folks, one more time, warrioryoga.com. Check it out. Train hard, stay safe. Thank you, Steve. See you next time. God bless. Lock it low, boys. Time to explode, boys. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back, the pride of the fleets, the bright swinging frogmen of the U.T.